Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the good news with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Angie Austin and Jim Stovall here talking about his Winner's Wisdom column. And it's titled Controlling Criticism, Jim. I'm very interested in this because I'm a, a, around a lot of teenagers that constantly criticize themselves. It's like, it's like a trend or a fad, I think, with them. Well, you know, social media has brought on this whole thing where we compare and contrast ourselves with everyone else out there. Unfortunately, it's kind of like we compare everyone's highlight reel to our own cutting room floor, like all the rejects and the horrible things we've had. We think of those things, and we look at the best things that happened to everybody else, and we wonder why we don't compare. And, you know, and uh, social media is no more real than reality TV. And we spend so much time and effort and energy worrying about what everyone else thinks about us, when in reality, Angie, the only opinion that matters is that opinion we have of ourselves. And I've always said and believed what my late great friend Brian Clemmer, a great author and speaker, said, everyone's opinion to me is none of my business. It's just just not my business. And, uh, you know, now there are people that are giving us criticism in a constructive way to help us improve, but that's few and far between. Any criticism you're getting that doesn't come with a tool to improve by is just destructive, and it needs to be put where all such destructive things should put, in the trash. You know, I was just doing a <clears throat> I shag balls during my uh, daughter's private lesson, and she did her private lesson with another girl um, in volleyball. There's like two fronts on the right and left. There's the um, uh, outside, I guess, is on the right. Or left, or whatever. My my daughter's the right, where she plays both. Mm-hmm. So they're on opposite sides, right? And as they miss or make a mistake, they just kind of mumble some, you know, I'm, I'm not good at that, or oh, I'm just trash, or I can't. And I, I just kept walking over as I was shagging balls. I try not to interrupt, but I, I just said, speak life. That word, that it's a, it's, they're lyrics by Toby Mac, and it's about yes. how words, mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die, so speak life. And so right. I just told both the girls after I'm like, say positive things to yourself instead of all these negative things. It can be, become a self-fulfilling prophecy when you say, I'm terrible at this, I'm terrible at this, I'm terrible at this. Well, how do you become better if all you think is that? And I know a lot of it's like trying to downgrade themselves or, or to seem humble in front of their friends, but they can seem humble without dogging themselves verbally. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we need to separate people from performance. I mean... You can have a bad play or hit a bad shot. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or even a bad player. It means, wow, that was not my best effort right there. And, uh, you know, and then we learn, we move on, and our, we learn quickly that our, you know, our past does not equal our present, and our present does not have to equal our future. And, nice. you know, and we see so much of that. Uh, we're getting ready to turn one of my books into a movie here shortly, Will to Win. And uh, as I look at that, you know, I realize that everybody, you know, once you do that, you know, dozens and dozens of newspapers and magazines will critique your movie. 
And the one thing I realize, it's just one person's opinion. And, right. uh, you know, and, and they are motivated by outside forces. I remember talking to a critic, I mean, a, a well-known critic, most people would know. And I said, you know, what do you base this on? And he said, well, sometimes I just try to be balanced with my readers. So if I've had a couple of positive ones, I'm going to be really negative on the next one. And I said, really, regardless of that. And he said, yeah. And I said, wow, I, uh, you know, I, you know, I didn't read your criticism anyway, but uh, I certainly wouldn't now. It's just the luck of the draw. And and then, you know, as I said, it's just one person opinion, even if it's valid. I, when I got into the movie business, everybody told me, you know, here's a list of the best movies ever made in the 20th century, the best 20th century movies. Number one on most critics list is Citizen Kane. I tried three times to watch that before I could actually sit through the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a great movie, in my opinion. It's not a good movie. It's not even, you know, one of Orson Welles' best movies. What a talented guy. I don't get it. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not a great movie. It just means I don't like it. I mean, somewhere there's a guy that doesn't like chocolate or pizza. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure there is. But, it, you know, I, it, it's not me. All right. Um, when, uh, when you mentioned about your colleague, uh, Brian Clemmer, uh, and you said uh, you, other people's uh, opinions is none of your business. Uh, I tell my kids that a lot, you know, when we're in the car and we're driving and they're telling me, oh, he says I'm stupid or he says I'm uh, a spaz. I mean, it's just uh, high school. I don't know how they're all so happy, to be honest with you, because it's brutal. And now they have, like you mentioned, social media. They have like social media uh, accounts where people can go on and kind of make fun of each other, like ones about kids sleeping in school. So it'll be like really unflattering pictures of kids sleeping in school and then really bad park jobs, which that one I think is actually kind of funny. And then I don't know if they show the license plates or not, but it's like if you're like the worst parker in the whole world, like and you take up three spaces or whatever, you, you don't know how to park. They, they do put that on social media. That one does make me giggle a little bit. But, you know, it, it's it's so um, it's so public. You know, all of their actions and uh, just the parents. We were at a getaway at YMCA of the Rockies with um, uh, five sixteens and uh, four parents were up there. And we were talking about some of the other players, social media accounts, which we see because our kids are linked. And they'll be like, oh, my gosh, look at this. And they're um, changing their pictures, I guess, editing them to uh, be more in tune with like a Kardashian look or like with a <laughs> to make their rear end bigger or their waist smaller or whatever. I mean, they're 16 years old, for goodness sakes. They're already like the picture of like God's perfection, right? And then they're like contorting it almost, you know, so that it uh, looks to me like uh, they're disfigured almost the way that they're making it look that doesn't even look human to me unless you somehow had altered your body. And I'm like, they're so young to be doing that and not accepting like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I look like. And then they were flipping through like, here's their friend's post of them. And here's their post. And it's the identical photo, but it's been altered. And to me, it just it was it's so crazy that there's this kind of pressure for perfection and so I'm constantly telling my daughter another thing that I know a lot of parents use Philippians 4.13 and I know people use it different ways but my thing is like you're complete through Christ all things are possible through Christ like you're already made perfectly in his eyes so you just concentrate on what you're doing and try to get all the other stuff out of your head and I know it's so difficult for them it is and uh you know, my background in uh, academic work in psychology, I was absolutely shocked to see, you know, I mean, the, the, the most clear example of it is uh, anorexic young ladies, to see what they look like, but then images 
of what they see in the mirror. And it is just staggering how these uh, skeletal young women, I mean young women that uh, are unhealthily uh, thin, famished, but they can look in the mirror and see that they are obese. And they have actually, you know, they, they have trained their mind to see it that way. And they are just, it, 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 you know, and that is the beginning of one of the unhealthiest diseases you can have that spirals down and is, is fatal in many cases. And, you know, I, I just think this whole imagery thing is, is, is dangerous to say the least. And, uh, and, uh, you know, somebody needs to explain to me why we emulate the Kardashians and why does anybody care? I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not being critical of them at all. I'm just saying, uh, you know, who cares? I mean, you, you know, they're, they're famous for being famous. I, I just, I'm, I'm really staggering, you know, who did you help? What did you do? What did you accomplish? What did you create? Other than just, create, you know, having this image that no one else seems to be able to live up to. Right. That's a good way to put it that no one else can live up to naturally, at least without the millions of dollars to do whatever it is they do to keep up that particular look, because even the older ones look as good as the younger ones. You know, the ones in their 40s look as good as the one or the same as the, I said, the, the same as the ones in their 20s. So there is definitely <clears throat> something going on to keep them looking that way that the average, you know, t- high school girl isn't capable of doing without altering their photos to uh, impress. I don't know who. But um, yeah, it's I'm, I'm kind of right in the midst of that since they're all teenagers now and we'll all be going to the same high school next year. And because so many of the kids, you know, come over to our house, I'm just kind of enveloped in it. And I'll sit, Jim, like in a living room with them and they'll be like playing because we've got all the puppies now and everything. So they'll be playing with the puppies and they'll be giggling and talking and showing each other things. So <clears throat> I kind of have, you know, a bird's eye view of exactly, you know, what's going on in their lives and uh, and the pressures too. one of the kids was saying, well, I think I'm going to break up with my boyfriend. None of them have boyfriends except this one. Thank goodness my kids, none of them dated at all. Um, They're a little sheltered. Anyway, I I said, why, what's going on? And she was honest with me. She's like, he's really pressuring me to do things I don't feel comfortable with. I said, well, have you told him? Like, you know, just like, she's like, I just think I'm going to break up. I said, well, I still would tell him how you feel about that. Uh, And uh, I'm just thankful that there weren't this many pressures when I went to school because I already had a lot of, you know, poverty and violence and alcoholism around me. So I can't imagine yeah. p- piling all this on some of these kids. Oh, it's it's sad. And, you know, and so many people now begin relationships online. And I, I, I find it sad and, and humorous at the same time that people will alter their their photos on dating services. And I always think, okay, that's going to work really good until you meet this person. I know. But, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, what are you, you were in a train wreck and haven't slept for two weeks before you come to have coffee with me? I mean, I mean, you know, it's bad enough to compare to the world around you, but when you've created a scenario, you're trying to meet a significant person. And you can't even create. You can't even compete with the photo you sent them. <laughs> You're in a train wreck and didn't sleep for two weeks. No, I have, I had a really good one, Jim. So he comes um, to me. We met at like a, a Starbucks. I'd always do that when I lived in Los Angeles. We we already had uh, internet dating back then. All right, so we meet at Starbucks, and he walks in, and I have no idea it's him. And he says, "Oh," he introduces himself, and and I I couldn't help myself. I said, "Oh," in your pictures, you you, you had hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And he said, he said, and look, I, you know, that's fine, but just show me a picture without your hair, right? I just didn't bring it, but he goes, oh, those pictures were from college. Well, Jim, he was a college athlete, and at that time Mm -hmm. he was about 40, and he had not done any athletics since then, and had lost (gasps) his hair. He looked like his father. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking at the guy in college, and he's showing up as a guy that looks like the father of the guy in college. (laughs) Yeah, what you ought to do is send out a photo. You know, this is me on a bad day. And then I got a chance of, you know, looking new and improved when I show up. I'm working with casting this new movie, and there, there's a young lady who really wanted to be in one of my films for a long time. And I, I said, look, unfortunately, I got two parts. One is 10 years younger than you, and one is 12 years older than you. And she said, well, younger takes a little time and a lot of makeup, and I can do it. I said, okay, what does older take? She said, a late night. She said, I just stay out all night, and I'm, I'm good to go. By the next morning, I wake up, and uh, I'm 12 years older. Oh, my goodness, that is hilarious. All right, so what do you want us to take away? Uh, you know, you usually have as you go through your day. What, what should we take away from the uh, article, Controlling Criticism? Only listen to people that really have a sincere desire to to help you or make a difference in your life. People that are just criticizing for critiques sake, you need to just completely dismiss them from your life. And uh, the only opinion that matters is the one that you have of yourself. One of the teenage girls recently told uh, the group that she was going to take some medical classes through this college credit uh, uh, campus they have through the high school. Anyway, um, I was told that one of the girls in the group said, oh, you never do that. You're not going to become a doctor. It's hard. and There's lots of classes and you can't do that. There's no way. So I called her at home and I said, I heard about what happened. And this girl loves me and I love her. And I, I said, you know, I, I told her about my career in TV news and how a lot of people said I couldn't get on air in L.A. and I'd have to move away someplace else and how I stopped telling people what I wanted to do. And I just kept it to myself and I did it. And uh, that those naysayers really have no impact on you unless you allow them to have free rent in your head. So, uh, uh, I, I love your articles. I love passing on what I learned from you to the teens. JimStovall.com if you want to check out Jim and his winner's wisdom column and also all of his books. Thanks, Jim, and movies. Be well. Arc Thrift needs your small furniture and electronics donations now. You can donate that end table or folding chair you've been meaning to find a new home for. Smaller sized furniture that can fit in your trunk and home goods like blenders and air fryers are items that ARC badly needs right now. They make it easy by unloading your car and your donations help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, the primary mission of ARC Thrift. ARC has high demand for small electronics like speakers, soundbars, Bluetooth speakers, and turntables. And once you donate, you can shop in the stores for your own treasured finds. Each ARC Thrift location has over 5,000 new items every day. So there is always something new and exciting. Every ARC thrift store keeps their shelves fresh with new merchandise, so each new purchase will be special to you. ARC's donation centers are open from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. Sunday donation hours are available as well. To find the nearest ARC thrift donation center, go to arcthrift.com donations. Greeley is listening to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. Angie Austin here with the good news, along with my gal pal, my good news gal, Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. She is in the army of the Lord. Hello, my friend. (laughs) Praise the Lord and God bless you today, Angie. It's good to be with you, girl. (laughs) Oh, I miss you. You're the best. Okay. 
you are walking a ton, working out, training people. You were a drill sergeant. You've been a truck driver. You always wanted to be an author. You've now written several books. You're a speaker. You lost your husband a few years back. Right after the show, you got the call when you left the good news. And we we all gathered around you, and your life just did a complete flip-flop. So you've moved around the country a few times. You're back. You're in your 60s. And this is what I love. A lot of people say, oh, it's too late for me to rebrand. It's too late for me to start a speaking business. It's too late for me to write a book. It's too late for me to have a new website. But you're doing all of that. Amen. And you know something? It's too late when you're actually in the coffin. Right. Right. When you're at the the funeral home or the, you know, the the (laughs) memorial place. And it's actually too late then. It really is. But if God allowed you to get up this morning, guess what, boo? You got something else to do for, for the Lord. Yeah. You really do. Yeah. And see, we, Angie, you know something? We need to stop saying that stuff to ourselves that, oh, well, it's just too late for me to be happy. It's too late for me to be loved. It's too late for me to accomplish anything. Those are lies straight from the pits of hell. Yeah. And we, we limit ourselves so much, but God has so much more for us than we could ever even imagine. And if we would allow ourselves to just go out there and just to, to live, not just exist, and there's a big difference between living and existing. But if we would allow ourselves to go out there and live, because Jesus said, I came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. If we would allow ourselves to just go out there and see, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, who, who we, I'm, I'm passionate about this because I see so many people that just give up on life. But when we look at it, look at what God has given to us. Girl, I can get up. I, I did my 100 push-ups this morning and um, did my 100. I don't even know what the exercise is called. I put my feet on the wall and I, I raised my behind up and, you know, <laughs> till I'm straight like a boy. I did 100 of those. I don't even know what it's called. Like a bridge or something. Something like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I just turned 64 just recently, you know, and I, I'm looking at myself because people keep telling me, they say, you don't look like you're 64. No, well, especially your body, too. Like, you know, your shape, your yeah. shape is not the shape of some many people your age don't have your physique. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I know I, I realize that. And that comes from being in the army. So, I mean, you know, that's. That's where I got this stuff from. And I'm keeping it going because I look at it like this is the only body I'm going to have. Yep. Yep. You know, and so but when we start giving up on stuff, um, I think it was uh, Miles Monroe, the late Miles Monroe. He said that the wealthiest place in the land is the graveyard because people take all their hopes, dreams, desires that what they're inspired to do. They take it to the grave with them. Mm-mm-mm. And that's not what God wants. Mm hmm. You know, that that rocking chair test. I always remember that if you're sitting in your rocking chair, you know, on your porch and you're watching your great grandkids or whatever, and you have do have regrets. And so many people do when they take the rocking chair test. And I think about the time that you are mentoring kids and you told me, I wonder how I would have turned out if I would have had a me, if I would have had a Beatrice when I was younger. And your husband's gone now, but you have the opportunity to really breathe life into influence, have uh, a, a lot to do with the upbringing of your granddaughter, uh, Zara. Yes. I'm not talking about you babysitting. I'm talking about you, you know, feeding into her, leading by example, her seeing you working out, her hearing your prayers, her you yes. praying with her alongside her. And I yes. remember when your daughter was uh, pregnant and I'm 
like, are you sure you don't want to come back here? Because this could be a tremendous opportunity for you to really have an influence on this child, you know, face to face in the same city. And Mm -hmm. then you're like, well, I got to pray about it. And I was really glad the Lord was on the same page with me on that one. And then you came back. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, when he told me that my assignment was finished in um, Virginia, you know, I was kind of surprised. I said, well, Lord, what are you going to have me do? And then when I got back here and when I cut the cord of that baby that was coming out of my baby, okay, when I cut the cord, I knew my purpose was to just to love this child and to bring her up in the fear and admonition of the Lord alongside her mom and dad. Right. But to be here as a as a bridge, if you will, because, you know, yeah, the parents have certain things that they do with the child. But those grandparents, the, the, the legacy of the grandparents, the um, the things that I've been through that I can teach from to this child you know, and help her to be who God is calling and creating her to be. Every time I get her in my hands, I'm praying over her and I'm telling her, I love you. And I'm saying, I'm praying, Lord, make her into the woman of God that you have called and created her to be for such a time as this, you know? And I wonder, Angie, I really do. What would have happened if I had had that in my life when Mm -hmm. I was born? Yeah. Okay. And been that wanted and that loved, you know, and uh, I just think your influence, we think about our friend Monique uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Leonitra uh, Mm -hmm. Davis that comes on, we call her Monique, uh, who comes on the show once a week and how her grandmother really was the woman who led her down the path to the Lord and was the number one influence in her life. That's right. Uh, And uh, just how life changing that relationship was. And uh, we're planning on talking about the power of one, how one person can have such an impact uh, on young on a young life especially a young life that maybe they don't have anyone else to turn to and now in your granddaughter's case she does but that doesn't mean you still can't have a powerful impact and I just think that those of us that are here who are Christians that if God gives you these gifts they aren't a gift unless you give them away and we have a responsibility to share our faith our knowledge our wisdom uh, Mm -hmm. with our children our grandchildren our family members, our friends, the people around us that we, that, you know, God has us bump into. And so we can't just be sitting in the lazy boy of life when we reach a certain age. There's so much to do right until, as you put it, you, you know, end up at the funeral home and you're not the one planning the funeral. You're the one having it planned for. Amen. Amen. And see, there are so many lives that we can touch and affect. And, and you know, not to put this on a down note or anything like this, but I, I think about what just recently happened out in California. A 72-year-old man went and shot up. He did a mass shooting, killing at least 10 people, wounding at least 10 other people, but 72 years old, and then he killed himself. What if someone had been able to get to that man and speak words of encouragement to him, Angie, and and kept him from going over the over the the, the precipice of, of damnation in the way that he did. What if, you know, somebody had spoken words of encouragement to him that would keep him from going and doing what he did? And see, when I look at my life and I think about the things that could have happened. To me, but instead, I, I, I changed my life by going into the army, and I can't say I changed it. God changed my life by allowing me to go into the army to learn what it was to be a soldier, to be somebody on the front lines of of our world, of the United States. And then when I get out, I become an army, a soldier in the army of the Lord. 
Mm-hmm. And my job is to encourage people to live for God and to encourage people that there are more things in front of them than the than the disasters that have been created in their lives. And so that's what I do. And the people that those of you that are listening today, think about this. God sent somebody to encourage you today through the personages of Angie Austin and Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. Who can you go and encourage today that will help them to just keep on that road, keep encouraged, even though sometimes they may have to pat them on their own selves on the back. David had to encourage himself in the Lord because Saul was coming to kill him. But David encouraged himself, his own self in the Lord so that he could go and do the things that God was telling him to do. And he was one of the greatest kings that ever reigned over Israel. What is God calling you to do to encourage yourself and to encourage somebody else today so that you can keep moving and accomplish the things that God has said for you to accomplish while you're on the face of the earth? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop preaching. <laughs> no, I, I love it when you're preaching. I love it. And, you know, and here's the thing that we want to do this. We want to, you know, I'm, I'm so into my kids. Like just now I glanced down and my daughter had sent me a text and it was just something small. I sent two messages today. One was about this girl. Um, I think she's down in Louisiana and she either drank too much or somebody put something in her drink. Right. Mm. And so mm. we do this learning moment thing. And uh, the girl's name is Madison Brooks. And um, it says four men are arrested over rape of LSU sorority student 19 who was then dumped and hit and killed by, you know, a ride share at 3 a.m. So here's what stood out to me in the article that um, she's 19 years old. She's at a bar and two of these other kids are teenagers as well. Two or three of them, like 17, 18, 28. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're teenagers and then an older guy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, as they're leaving this bar, she's allegedly over three times the legal limit, you know, of drunk. So I think to myself... Uh, you know, for drinking and driving. I think to myself, yeah. it, did she really drink all this or was something put in her drink? So I right. said to the girls, lesson number one, if you're ever out, you know, bottled water or something with a lid on it or you don't leave your drink there. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking mm-hmm. to all my kids. Mm-hmm. I said lesson number two, which was targeting more like letting my son know if a girl can barely walk and speak, she cannot consent because the right. boys say she consented to get in the back seat of this car with them um, right. and, you know, uh, uh, fool around. And they said she consented, but then one of them said that he knew she couldn't consent because she could barely, she couldn't even like function. Uh, and yeah. so he, he said he felt bad, you know, because, he, you know, obviously he was taking advantage of her with, you know, two of them in the back seat. So anyway, mm-hmm. however this ends up, they drop her off somewhere and she ends up standing in the street in the dark and she gets hit and killed. So uh, I also told the kids, look, if you drink too much voluntarily, there's a good chance you could be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Because if you do go to some bar and you drink that much, you cannot mm-hmm. protect protect yourself from predators like this. That's right. So anyway, that's our teaching moment article for tonight. And then the other one was my dad, my husband will teach things like compound interest sometimes, or he'll talk about how it's important to marry someone who's good with their money. Because if you marry someone that's not good with their money, that's a big reason that people get divorced. And he mm-hmm. romantically told them, uh, uh, part of the reason I married your mom is because she's so good with money. And I'm like, oh, the <laughs> romance. Uh, but then uh, I'm trying to teach my daughter when you borrow things, you know, you uh, you return them in the same condition or mm-hmm. like she borrowed my Mac computer and it's in my office not plugged in. So I sent her mm-hmm. a picture and mm-hmm. I said, my Mac's not plugged in. And I said, uh, 
And she said, sorry, Mom. I said, look, I love you. Just encouraging you in life, helping you along to be the great lady you are. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job with you. Amen. You know, just little mm-hmm. things. I'm not mad at you. I'm just reminding you to be a good person. And yeah. so those of us who are Christians like you and I, who maybe didn't have a great upbringing, which we mm-hmm. did not, mm-hmm. uh, and we didn't have the guidance. So you, you didn't even become a Christian until, you know, you were like 30 ish right and i was 13 in an abusive you know home that i was living in and i lived in foster care where they took me to church so it was not through really my family that we were led to the lord so we obviously were led to the lord for a reason and we have a responsibility to make sure the people around us don't end up feeling that lack of love that we felt as kids exactly and you know god is looking at us Um, in in spite of everything that we see going on in our world today, God is still on the throne and he's still looking at us. He's still leading us to do the things that he says in the Bible, because number one, we're supposed to love the Lord, our God with all our, with all of ourselves, you know, all our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, our strength, love him first, then love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And if we could just do that, You know, how much change would be able to come into our communities, in our world, because instead of being um, antagonistic against each other and and always bumping heads with each other, we're instead looking at each other, not just necessarily with toleration, but with love for each other, because that could be you. That That, could be your child. That could be you. Or I love having you on. Beatrice Bruno, give us your website. Um, drillsergeantoflife.com. I wish we had more time, my friend. Talk to you next week. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart.